that your Holy Spirit would come upon me in order that I would be able to uh, say the things that uh, we need to learn from this passage. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to just leave here a little different, knowing uh, more of your scripture, more of your word. We know that's where the power is, Father. Thank you so much for all you do for us, Lord. Thank you for loving us. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Alright, well, we're there in Acts chapter number 22. And in Acts 22, the story there is kind of interesting, uh, or, you know, it's kind of funny for me, uh, not for the rest of you, but m- maybe a little bit for, for Brother Vincent, because one of the men that preached on Men's Preaching Night, just on Monday night, preached about the story, uh, the testimony of the Apostle Paul. And then that's where we find ourselves tonight as well. So I just took his sermon, and I'm going to re-preach it, but it's kind of just a coincidence, that's where we happen to be tonight. So I guess the Holy Spirit just wants us to really focus on that this week. But if you remember from last week, if you look at uh, verse 21 of chapter 35, I'm sorry, verse 35 of chapter 21, sorry I'm a little dyslexic there, chapter 21 verse 35, just the previous chapter. Do you remember that we talked about last week how Paul had came into Jerusalem and Paul was wrong? This is one of the few things we find about the Apostle Paul that he did wrong. Paul was wrong. God had told him not to go into Jerusalem, but he went in anyway. And when he got there, it was just a matter of, just a short time before there was a huge angry crowd that was pretty much beating him to death. And we won't take the time to read that, but if Luke verse 35, it says, And when he came upon the stairs, so it was that was born of the soldiers for the violence of the people. So you remember the Roman soldiers had to sweep in there and just pretty much grab him. It says he was born of them, so they carried him out because they were these people were going to kill him. They were going to beat him to death. And if you look at verse 36, it says, For the multitude of the people followed after. So when the soldiers took him out of this you know, arena here, they, the people are following and they're saying, they're crying away with him. Look at verse 37. And as Paul was led into the castle, he said unto the chief captain, May I speak unto thee? Who said, Canst thou speak Greek? Art thou not that Egyptian which before these days made us an uproar and led us out into the wilderness four thousand men that were murderers? But Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, and I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. Now it's interesting, and this is part of the sermon, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I've heard people mention this before, and it's interesting. Paul, you know, Paul was a missionary. And the Bible says Paul spoke many different tongues. And he spoke Hebrew, we'll see here in a little bit. And he spoke uh, uh, Greek and all these things. But I want you to notice something. Actually, just go ahead and read verse 40. It says, And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with his hand unto the people. And when there were made a great silence, he spake unto them, look what it says, in the Hebrew tongue, saying, My brethren and fathers, verse 1 of, verse, uh, of chapter 22, My brethren and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that, he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them. They kept the more silence, and, and he saith, and then he goes on to give a testimony. I want you to notice something, okay? Paul is speaking... And he begins to speak to the, the soldier there, and, and he, he asks him a question, he said, uh, may I speak unto thee? And the soldier responds back, if you look at the last part of verse 37, he said, who said, canst thou speak Greek? So I want you to notice something, the area where they were in, Jerusalem, they did not speak Greek there as their normal language. Because when Paul began to speak to him, the soldier was surprised and he said, you can speak Greek? Now Paul could speak many languages because he spent years in Ephesus and years in all these different cities where he'd been at. So he could speak many languages because he was a missionary. But this man was surprised that he could speak Greek. 
And if you look at the last part of verse 40, he allowed him to go and give his defense to the Jews and to just beat him. And Paul decided, you know, I'm going to make sure that they listen to me. And I'm going to make sure they give me the, the respect, you know, to, to be silent while I listen. So I'm going to speak to them, if you look at the last part of verse 40, in the Hebrew tongue. And the Bible says in verse 2 of the next chapter, And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence. So because he was speaking Hebrew, they, they got really quiet because he's speaking Hebrew. So I want you to notice something. The area that they were in, they did not normally speak Greek, because when Paul spoke Greek, the soldier was surprised. And they did not normally speak Hebrew, because when Paul spoke Hebrew to the people, they, they took notice of that. They're like, oh wow, he's speaking in the Hebrew tongue. Let's be very quiet, because we want to listen to exactly what he's saying. Now we're told by history uh, that in that time there, that they spoke Aramaic. But I want you to understand something, because people attack our King James Bible, and they'll make statements like, well, the Bible was translated into different languages, and, and, and there was something lost in the translation there. But you got to understand something, okay? Most of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And the New Testament was written in Greek. But... As, as Jesus was alive and as the Apostle Paul was alive and they were trans, you know, just in their lives, just through the stories that we read, they're speaking Aramaic. So you're going to understand. They're speaking Aramaic, but it's translating to Greek. Many times in the Bible, Jesus would quote the Old Testament. So you're going to understand all this. Jesus would quote the Old Testament in Aramaic, and then the Gospel writer would translate it into Greek. And no one disagrees that the Greek manuscripts are perfect inspired of, of God. And there seems to be no issue with the fact that Jesus himself would take a Hebrew verse, translate it in his mind in Aramaic, quote it in Aramaic, and then Luke or Matthew or Mark or whoever will translate that into Hebrew, and people would say, oh, well, yeah, God could do that because he's all-powerful. But then for some reason that same God can't take that word and preserve it through the ages and translate it into languages today, like English. You know, it's a ridiculous thought. I mean, Jesus himself, and there was no loss in the translation. So that's nothing to do with the sermon, but just something interesting about the different languages that are being spoken here. But I want you to notice, Paul asks the soldier, and he says, look at verse, uh, the last part of verse 40, or the last part of verse uh, 39, he says, uh, of, of chapter 21, But Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew. Because he said, aren't you an Egyptian? The guy didn't even know who he was. He's like, I thought you were this Egyptian. You know, and all this stuff. And Paul says in verse 39, But Paul said, I am a man, which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city. And he says, And I beseech thee, suffer me. The, the word beseech means, you know, I'm, I'm like asking you, I'm begging you, suffer me. The word suffer me means allow. He says, allow me to speak unto the people. And when he had given them license, that's saying permission, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with his hand. So he goes there, and he goes like this, he beckons with his hand, unto the people, and when there made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, my brethren and fathers, hear ye my defense. So Paul's going to give him his defense, which I make now unto you. And here's what the interesting thing, for the, for the, for the part of ch chapter that we're going to deal with, Paul begins to give them his testimony. But you've got to understand something. He's using his testimony as an excuse to preach to them the gospel. This is what Paul wanted. Paul wanted to get these people saved, and he's seeing this as his opportunity to give them the gospel. 
And uh, we read verse 2 already. It says that when they heard that, he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them. They kept the more silence and, and he saved. And then in verse 3, he begins to, be, uh, to give him his testimony. I want you to see the different areas of his testimony. First of all, Paul speaks about his past. In verse 3 it says, And I am verily a man, which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, he says, and even though I was born in Tarsus, which is a city in Cilicia, he says, I'm a Jew. He says, I was yet brought up in this city. What city are they in? Jerusalem. He said, look, I grew up in Jerusalem. He said, this is my hometown. And I want you to notice something. He says, at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law. Now, we were talking about this in men's preaching, and I was talking about this with the guys. But Paul was the only one of the apostles who was formally trained in, in, you know, and educated in the law, the law that is referring to the Bible. I want you to see just a few uh, verses real quickly, just so you understand this. Go with me real quickly to John chapter number 7. And look at verse number 15. John chapter number 7. And look at verse number 15. The Bible says in John 7, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Right before the book of Acts. John chapter number 7, look at verse 15. The Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like you to see this. It says, And the Jews marveled. That means they were amazed. They marveled saying, they're talking about Jesus. They're saying, How knoweth this man letters? Look what it says. Having never learned. Do you see that? The Jews looked at Jesus Christ and they said, How is it that this man knows, uh, you know, knows so much? How knows this man letters? The letters, he's, they're talking about, he's talking about these letters, the Word of God. Saying, How does this man understand the Scriptures? How is he teaching us? In other passages, says that Jesus taught them with authority, not as the scribes. And they're saying, How does this man know so much Bible? How does this man know so much Scripture? Why can he teach us this since he's never learned? You know what they were saying? They're saying, This man's uneducated. So this man didn't go to Bible college. Talking about Jesus. And then the Lord Jesus Christ took some fishermen and tax collectors and, and men and trained them in the ministry. And I'd like you to look at Acts 4. Look at Acts chapter number 4, look at verse 13. Acts chapter number 4 and verse 13. Those men that the Lord Jesus Christ trained go on to become great preachers of the Word of God, have great revival. See, thousands of people come to Christ. And the same Pharisees that looked at Jesus and they said, How does this man teach with such authority? How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Those same men looked at the apostles in verse 13 of Acts chapter 4. And it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They said, These men are unlearned and they are ignorant. These men are fishermen. These men are tax collectors. These men do not know anything. These men have not been to college. They've not been to Bible college. They're unlearned. They're ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them and that they had been with Jesus. They said, how is it that these men preach with such boldness and they know so much Bible having never learned? It's that they're unlearned and they're ignorant. And it's very interesting to me because, you know, everywhere I go it seems like, uh, you know, uh, I'll go to different places and I'll, I'll have to introduce myself as the pastor of the church, you know, for, for whatever reason. And it seems like our, our society and our culture is just, you know, it seems like, every, and not everywhere I go, but there's just these certain type of Christians out there. And you can always see them coming because they just look arrogant. And they always have the same question for me. What seminary did you go to? And I often want to say to them, I didn't go to cemetery. I mean seminary. <laughs> you know, and I'll tell them, I didn't go to Bible. Oh, where did you learn? Well, you know, we talked about this Sunday morning, so I'm not going to talk about it a lot, you know, but the Holy Spirit taught me. 
You know, I've got a King James Bible and I can read the Bible and I can learn the Word of God. And you know, and the thing, the funny thing to me is that the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ, they looked at Jesus and they said, where's your Bible college degree? You're unlearned. And they looked at the apostles and they said, where are these men getting this doctrine and this teaching? You know, they're unlearned and they're ignorant. And then comes the apostle Paul, who in verse 3 of Acts 22 we're told, he says, I am barely a man which am... Which I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and yet brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel. Now I want you to keep your finger on Acts 22, because we're going to come right back to it. But go with me to Acts chapter number uh, 5. Because I'd like you to see, who is this Gamaliel? Because this is who Paul was, t- who Paul instructed. And if you've been with us in the book of Acts, you, you may recognize that we've already talked about Gamaliel. If you look at Acts chapter number 5, look at verse number uh, 34. Acts chapter number 5 and verse 34. Look what it says about Gamaliel. It says, Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel. Look what it says. A doctor of the law. Very educated man. <coughs> had a reputation among all the people. So he is very well known. He had a good reputation. And commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. So I want you to see Gamaliel was a Pharisee. He was a doctor of the law. That means he had a bunch of letters at the end of his name. You know, and he and the law there is not is referring to when you in the Bible when you were a doctor of the law, it meant you were a doctor of, of the law, the word of God. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It meant you were you knew the Bible. And this man and it says he had in reputation, he was, you can go back to Acts twenty two. He's a very well known doctor of the law, very well known teacher in Jerusalem. And this was Paul's instructor. So he didn't just go to a Bible college. He went to the Bible of Bible college. I mean, he went to the great. I mean, the, the greatest person that could teach you, educate you, was Gamaliel, and Paul was his pupil. And it says in verse three, it says, it says, uh, yet brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel. Look, it says, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God. And ye all are as ye all are this day. And I want you to notice something. Out of all the apostles, there was one apostle who was formally trained in the Bible. And it's very interesting, because if you go with me to Philippians chapter number 3, look at verse number 4. Philippians chapter number 3. And look at verse number 4. The Bible says this, Philippians chapter number 3. You're there in Acts. you got Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter number 3. Look at verse number 4. Paul is going through in Philippians and kind of doing the same spiel that he's doing in Acts 22 and talking about his history. And look what he says. He says, in in Philippians 3, 4, he says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, he said, If any other man thinketh that he hath whereon he might trust in the flesh, I more. He says, look, if anybody thinks that they can have confidence in the flesh, I have more confidence. He said, I've done more things than them. And in verse 5, he begins to list off his credentials. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning seal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He says, you know, let me tell you something. I wasn't just a... Hebrew, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He said, I, you know, he's talking about his history, being a Pharisee. And the, way, the reason he was a Pharisee is because he was educated by the Pharisees. And Paul says, let me tell you something about my history. 
I am. I was circumcised the eighth day. I'm of the stock of, of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews. You know, uh, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning seal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. And then look at verse number seven. Look what he says. He says, "But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ." He said, "All those things I had going for me when I got saved, I realized they were just a loss." Look at verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, from whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. Do you see that? He said, I count them but dung that I may win Christ. you know what dung means? I don't want to get, you know, offensive or anything, but dung is, you know, manure. Exactly. That's a better way. That's not the word I would use. <laughs> but... He, and this is, this is what Paul, here's what you understand. They looked at Jesus, they said he's unlearned. They looked at the apostles, they said they're unlearned and they're ignorant. And then the one apostle who had a Bible college degree says, you know what? When I got saved, I realized it was a bunch of manure. It was a bunch of loss. It was a bunch of dung. Let me tell you something. I've met so many so-called Bible scholars with Bible college degrees. You try to talk talking to them, they don't even know what you're talking about. They don't understand scripture. They don't understand doctrine. They can't even give the gospel. They can't even get somebody saved. But they'll look at somebody like us and they'll say, you're so unlearned. You're so ignorant. Where's your Bible college degree? Let me tell you something. Don't fall for the lie of this world that tells you, you're done. You don't know it. You didn't go to Bible college. You can't do anything for God. Look, if you've got the Holy Spirit of God and you've got a King James Bible, hey, you can learn it. Hey, you can preach it. Hey, you can get some boldness and preach the Bible and preach the Word and do something. Paul said, hey, I was framed by the greatest instructor you got, Gamaliel. He says in verse 4, he said, And I persecuted this way unto death. He says, not only was I trained properly, he says, I was zealous. If you look at the last part of verse 3, he says, And was zealous toward God. Verse 4, he said, And I persecuted this way unto death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness. He said, I was working with the high priest and all the estate of the elders for whom also I received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And he said, why is Paul telling this? Here's why he tells him all this. Look at the last part of verse 3. He says, he says, I was trained. He said, I was zealous. He said, I was persecuting. And he's telling him all this because the last part of verse 3, he says, as ye all are this day. You know what he was saying? He was saying, I was just like you. Paul said, I was in a false religion, just like you were. I was in a wrong religion, just like you were. He said, I was very well educated. But you know, he tells him all these things. He said, just like you are right now. But then in verse number 6, he says, but here's the problem. I was smart. I was trained. I was zealous. I was successful. I was educated. I am Hebrew of the Hebrews. But he said, you know what the problem was with me? Same problem that you've got. He said, I was wrong. Look at verse 6. So then it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. 
Now this is obviously a very well-known story. Paul on the Damascus Road. And the story takes place in Acts chapter 9. And we're going to be going there in a little bit. But I want you to understand something about Paul's testimony. As Paul goes through his testimony in the book of Acts, when it actually happened in Acts 9, when he goes through it here in chapter 22, and when he goes through it again later to Agrippa, he's always, the Bible is always shedding a little more light on the events that happened. Now here's what you got to understand. And please listen to me, because you need to understand this. 99% of Christianity teaches that Paul got saved on Damascus Road when Jesus appeared to him when the light shone out and he fell off the horse. That's when he got saved. And I'm going to prove to you from the Bible right now that that is completely and utterly false. And the first indication to the fact that that's false is this. The Bible says that God does not respect any one person above another. The Bible says there is no respect of persons with God. So the, thing, the truth of the matter is, Paul, if Paul was going to get saved, he had to get saved the same way you and I get saved. And the Lord Jesus Christ didn't appear to you when you got saved. In fact, the Bible says, and we'll go there in a little bit, that the last person Paul, that Jesus appeared to was the Apostle Paul. But Paul had this miraculous experience where the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him on Damascus Road. He was traveling to Damascus. He was on the road to Damascus on his way to persecute more Christians. And the Bible says that the light shone round about him and, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? And in verse 8, And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecuted, and they that were with me, look what it says, saw indeed the light. So the other people that were there, they saw the light, not Jesus. They saw the light. Because in other passages it says that they didn't see a man. They saw the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of Him that spake to me. So the other people saw the light. They didn't see Jesus. They didn't hear the voice. Look at verse 10. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto, he, unto me, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that what it says? That's not what it says, right? Verse 10, he says, And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. Now, we've got to ask this question. Why did Jesus Christ not just preach the gospel to Paul? Right there. The same reason Jesus Christ doesn't preach the gospel to anybody. Because he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. See, the miraculous part of Paul's conversion is not when he got saved. But it's when Jesus Christ got his attention. Do you understand the difference? Paul was on his way in a false religion, zealous and successful, and Jesus Christ had to knock him off his horse to be able to get his attention. And then he said, what should I do? And he said, go to Damascus. I'm going to send a soul winner. Because by the way, that's how everybody gets saved. Because a soul winner preaches the gospel to them. And let me tell you something. Today, Jesus Christ does that. Many people today have experiences happen in their life where God literally knocks them off their horse. Where God brings them to the end of themselves. Where God miraculously brings them. But see, they don't get... An experience doesn't save you. Usually you understand. People, you know, people... I'll, I'll call someone and somebody tell me, I got saved. Or I'll ask them, do you know for sure that day you go to heaven? They'll say, yeah, I'm, on, I'm sure I'm on my way to heaven. What gives you that assurance? Well, you got to understand, I was in Iraq and I was in this firefight and God saved me out of this firefight and I just know that I got saved. Now look, praise the Lord that you were in a firefight and, and nothing happened to you and the bullet did this and went around you and all clothes are crazy things. But that's not salvation. An experience is not salvation. A tingly feeling is not salvation. Salvation over and over and over and over in the scriptures is this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And Paul did not get saved when he got knocked over and he saw the light and he heard Jesus and he saw Jesus. That's not what happened. That's when Jesus got his attention. 
But that's not when he got saved. Because notice, look at verse 10 again. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all the things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of the light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. So you got to understand, after Jesus appeared to him, he blinded him. And they literally had to take his hand and lead him the rest of the way into Damascus. Now look, when he gets to Damascus, verse 12, And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood. That's the soul winner. Do you understand that the Bible... Have you seen the pattern through the book of Acts? In Acts chapter number 8, God sends an angel to Philip and, and tells Philip, go preach to the Ethiopian eunuch. And you guys ask the question, why did God just send the angel to preach to the eunuch? Because that's not how God works. God, God is, Jesus Christ is not appearing to people preaching the gospel to them. He's not sending His angels preaching to them. He, he go, the angel goes to the soul and he says, you go preach the gospel. In Acts chapter number 10, Cornelius is praying to God, and God sends an angel, and he tells Cornelius, hey, go find Peter. He'll preach you the gospel. And, and, and I ask myself this question, why didn't the angel just preach the gospel? Took his time to appear to him, why didn't he just tell him, hey, just believe on Jesus? But the angel said, hey, go find Peter, he'll preach the gospel to you. The angel said, hey, go find the sower. Why? Because that's how God works. Soul winning. That's the plan. That's the pattern. And it was the same with Paul. Paul had a miraculous conversion. No, he had a miraculous getting knocked off the horse. But when he got saved, it was the same way you and I got saved. Some soul winner came with the Bible and preached the gospel to him. Look what it says, look at verse 12. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul. Now you understand, Paul's not saved yet. The terminology, when he calls him a brother there, he's not calling him a brother in the sense of a spiritual brother. He's calling them a brother in the flesh. You know how you see your, you know whatever, your friends are wearing, you're like, hey brother, that's the same thing he's doing. He's not talking spiritual. And in the context you'll see that, he says, and he said unto me, brother Saul, receive thy sight. So the first thing he did, he said, here, now you can see. And the same hour I looked upon him. And he said, and here's, get the context, he said, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee, and that thou shouldest know his will. So he's talking to him as a Jew. He's saying, you know, brother Saul, because he was a Jew. He said, the God of our fathers, talking about their, their descendants there. And he said, look at verse 14, And he said, The God of our Father hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, that's Jesus Christ, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. Now just real quickly, let me show you this, because we've got to do this. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You're there in Acts. Go to Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And look at verse number 3. Jesus Christ appeared to Paul. And by the way, that's what qualified Paul to be an apostle. The fact that Jesus called them to be an apostle. But if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, look at verse number 3, the Bible says this, For I delivered unto you, first of all, 1 Corinthians, I'd like you to see this, so I'll wait a moment for you to get there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, look at verse number 3. It says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture. By the way, this is, this is the Gospel. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, and that He was buried... And he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And I like you to look at verse 5. He says, Paul, in 1 Corinthians, Paul begins to tell the witnesses that saw Jesus after he resurrected. He said, And he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, 
And after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and look at verse number 8, don't miss this. And last of all, he was seen of me, also as one born of due time. Do you see that? The Bible says that Paul was the last one to see Jesus. Verse 8. And last of all, he was seen of me. Who's speaking? Paul. So when you you know, when you watch your little TV evangelist, your little televangelist Pentecostal, and he's telling you, Jesus appeared to me in my room, and he told me, I got a word from the Father. He's a liar. Because according to scriptures, the last person that saw Jesus Christ was the Apostle Paul. And the next time anyone sees the Lord Jesus Christ again, will be when we all see the Lord Jesus Christ again, coming in the clouds with great power and glory. But anybody who says, I saw Jesus, and he, he talked to me, they're alive. They're either a liar or they're high. But they didn't see Jesus. Because Jesus isn't showing up to anybody. Jesus is not appearing to anybody and preaching the gospel. He didn't even appear to Paul and preach the gospel. He just appeared to Paul and kicked him off a horse and said, Get to my soul and they can get you saved. That's what happened. Go back to Acts 22. Look at verse 14. Jesus doesn't appear to anybody. And, and I always, uh, you know, I said this before, but if someone ever asks you, I saw, you know, tells you, I saw Jesus. He appeared to me. I, you know, someone, I heard somebody say this, I thought it was funny. You always ask him, did he have long hair or short hair? And they always, whenever you ask somebody, they're going to say, he had long hair. You say, that wasn't Jesus. Because Jesus did not have long hair. And I've proven that from the scripture before. I won't take the time to do that. But, uh, you know, you were looking at, you know, just because, you know, artists draw Jesus, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, with long, you know. Let me explain something to you. Jesus was not, you know, white. He was a Jew. You know, they, they draw this blonde-haired, blue-eyed, long-haired, you know, and, and it changes the different cultures because you go, you know, you go to a Mexican house and Jesus, they got Jesus and he looks like a Mexican. You go to black people's house and they got Jesus and he's black. I mean, literally, I've seen that. You know, it's just like everybody thinks Jesus, well, well I'm black, so Jesus must have been black. Well, I'm Mexican, so Jesus must have been Mexican. I'm white, so Jesus must have been white. You're so ridiculous. Jesus was a Jew. You know, I mean, that's what the Bible says. But look at verse number, go, go to Acts 22, and if that offends you, I don't know why it does. Look at verse 15. Acts 22, look at verse 15. Look what it says. For thou shalt be a witness unto, notice this, all men. That was why God saved him. He was going to be a witness to all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now, why tarriest thou? Verse 16 is a very important verse. I want you to focus in on it. And now why tarriest thou, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now people will often use this verse to try to prove that you must be baptized to be saved. Now first of all, we got to understand this. Whenever we come to the scripture and it seems like it's teaching something that we know. I'm not going to take the time to do this. I've done this before. There are thousands, I mean hundreds of verses all throughout scriptures that tell us salvation is believed, salvation is by faith, salvation is not of works. So if the entire Gospels, the entire New Testament and Old Testament account tell us that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and one verse kind of maybe sounds like you might have to get baptized, you might just want to study it a little better. And you know, just some basic English will help you understand this verse. Look at verse 16 again. So then now why tarriest thou? Arise, and be baptized, and 
Wash away thy sins. And, is that what it says? Does it say and again? Do you know what the word and is? Who knows what the word and is in the English language? It's a conjunction. Conjunction, junction. (laughs) What's your function? You remember that? A conjunction brings together separate thoughts. Okay? He says, and now why tarriest thou? He tells him to do a few things. He says, arise. And. So the next statement has nothing to do with arising. But he wants you to do it in this order. He says, arise and. He says, be baptized. I mean, not necessarily wanting you to do it in this order, but just, there, there's two different ways. He says, be baptized, comma, and. So that's the end of that. Wash away thy sins. But I want you to see, comma, calling on the name of the Lord. There's no and there. Why is that? Because how do you wash away your sins? Not by getting baptized, because that's separated by an and there. How do you wash away your sins? By calling on the name of the Lord. It would be like if somebody said, Roger Jimenez, comma, the pastor is here tonight. I am the pastor. You you understand what I'm saying? But if someone has said, you know, Brother Hudson and the pastor, does that mean Brother Hudson is the pastor? No. And lets us know it's a different thought. But if you said, Brother Jimenez, comma, the pastor, it's the same thought. And in verse 16 there it says, And now why tarriest thou, arise, and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, comma. How do you do that? Calling on the name of the Lord. Go with me real quickly to Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. And here's what I'm telling you. Paul got saved the same way everybody else gets saved. Because look at what the Bible says in verse 9. Romans chapter number 10, verse 9. My favorite verse is out so many. Or my closing verse, how so many. Romans chapter number 10, verse 9, it says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart, in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. I want you to remember that for later on. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all, look what it says, that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. you see that? Do you know how you got saved when you called upon the name of the Lord? you know how I got saved when I called upon the name of the Lord? you know how Paul got saved? Well, Jesus appeared to him and got him saved on the Master's road. He got saved the same way you got saved, same way I got saved, when he arose and he wiped away his sins. Doing what? Calling upon the name of the Lord, just like everyone else. Do you understand that God has no respect? There is no respect of persons with God. Paul is no better than you and no better than me. And Paul had to get saved the same way you get saved, the same way I get saved. What was the miraculous part about Paul's conversion? When Jesus Christ knocked him off the horse. And it was a miracle when God knocked you off your horse. When God got your attention. When God made you realize that you needed Him. Go with me real quick to Genesis chapter number 12. Let me, let me show you the consistency of the scripture. Look at Genesis chapter number 12, look at verse 8. We find here when Abraham, this is even before the Lord Jesus Christ. When Abraham, the patriarch, who started all this, look at Genesis chapter number 12 and verse 8. Look what it says. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, and what does it say? Called upon the name. 
Since Genesis chapter number 12, people have been getting saved by calling on the name of the Lord. Noah got saved, the Bible says he found grace in the eyes of God. Abraham got saved, calling on the name of the Lord. Isaac got saved, calling on the name of the Lord. Jacob got saved, calling on the name of the Lord. Paul got saved, calling on the name of the Lord. I got saved, calling on the name of the Lord. And that's how everybody gets saved. When they call upon the name of the Lord, that's salvation. When you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. Don't fall, you know, there's a bookstore here in town called Damascus Road. And I don't have nothing against that, that's fine, great. But Paul didn't get saved on Damascus Road because salvation is not this experience where I saw a light. That's not salvation. Salvation is just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's what salvation is. And verse 16 is not teaching you got to get baptized. It's teaching you got to call on the name of the Lord. Now look, when Paul got saved, he also got baptized. Praise the Lord. When the eunuch got saved, he got baptized the same day. That's how he should be. You should get saved and baptized as soon as possible. Remember when Paul got the Philippian jailer saved? When the Philippian jailer you know, came in trembling after that earthquake, and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And later on in that scripture, it tells us that in the same hour he was baptized. So look, Paul got saved and got baptized. That doesn't mean anything. I got saved when I was four years old. I was baptized when I was seven. I should have been baptized when I was four, but I didn't. It doesn't matter. Salvation is called upon the name of the Lord. Look at verse 17. Let's finish this up real quick. Verse 17. The Bible says, And it came to pass, that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance, and saw Him, now the Him there is referring to Jesus, saying unto me, Make haste, and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem. For they, talking about the Jews, will not receive thy testimony concerning me. That's Jesus. Now, here's what I was telling you. As Paul gives his testimony, he clears up for us some of the events that happened in Acts 9. Because just real quickly, go with me to Acts 9. Look at verse 24. Acts chapter number 9 and verse 24. Just to give you an example of this. Acts chapter number 9 and verse 24. The Bible says, actually look at verse 23. Acts chapter 9 and verse 23. The Bible says, And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. This is after Paul got saved and, and he's been preaching the gospel and all that. Look at verse 24. But their laying away was known of Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. So you see how in Acts 9, it makes it sound like, it just, just really quickly tells us, their laying away was known of Saul. They were trying to kill him, and Saul just happened to know that they were trying to kill him. But in, in, when he gives his testimony, he goes into more detail, and he tells us in verse Acts 22, uh, verse 17, And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. So he's telling us, like, uh, I was in the temple, I was praying, and I saw him, Jesus, saying unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. Do you see that? In Acts 9, it makes it sound like, it just says real quickly, Paul knew that they were going to do this, so he... Went, you know, he ran away. But in Acts 22, it sheds some light on it. In Acts 9, it just tells us that Paul went to Damascus three days later. He was baptized and he received the Holy Ghost. But in Acts 22, it explains to us how he did that when he called upon the name of Lord. This is why we must use the Bible to uh, study the Bible. Spiritual things com- with spiritual things. Comparing spiritual with spiritual. Look at verse 18. I'm sorry, verse 19. And I said, Lord... They know that I imprisoned and beat every, in every synagogue them that believe on thee. So Paul, is, he's, on, he's in this trance in the temple. And Jesus is telling him, hey, get out of here because the Jews are going to kill you. 
And he says, man, they know that I did all this stuff, Lord. And look at what Jesus responds to him. Oh, I'm sorry, he continues talking in verse 20. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen, and we preached about that already, was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death, and kept the raiment of them that slew him. Verse 21. Paul is speaking, but he's telling us what Jesus said to him. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. Now, next to my Bible, when it says Gentiles, I, I, this is what I have written. I have a dash and a dash, and I wrote these words. He's back. Because you remember in Acts 21, Paul got a little backslidden. Remember he was peddling to the Jews. Remember he went and he, he shaved his head, and he did a Nazarite vow. He even offered a sacrifice in the temple, which he should not have done. And he'd been preaching the gospel, he'd been preaching to the Gentiles for decades. And he just decided, like, well, I'm going to try to get them saved. I'm just going to try to be like them, to try to win them. And he did all these sins. But now Paul's, like, back on his game. Because he tells them all this about a testimony. And he says, and he begins to about his ministry. And he says, hey, and he sent me to preach unto the Gentiles. So he gets his boldness back. I love it. Because I, I just love seeing Paul. He's, he's back. He's back on track. He's back to the gospel. But, but here's what you understand. When he gets back to the Bible, notice what happens. Verse 22. This is the last verse we'll look at. We're done. And they gave him audience. Because remember, they're listening to him talk in the Hebrew tongue, right? And they gave him audience, look what it says, unto this word. What word? Gentiles. See, when Paul said, up to this point, they're listening. They're like, okay, Jesus appeared to you. Okay, you got shade. Okay, you know, right on. All right, cool. And when he says, and by the way, he sent me to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. They, when he said that, that was they, he crossed the line. That was too far. And in verse 22 it says, And they gave him audience unto this word. And then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust in the air. I mean, can you imagine seeing grown men? This is how they did it back then, you know, it wasn't weird then. But can you imagine seeing the sight? These people are just, you know, throwing their hands in the air, saying, away with such a fellow, it's not fit that he should live. They cried out, they took their clothes off, they grabbed dust and threw it, I mean, they're just throwing a fit. Why? Because he said one word they didn't like, Gentile. So what does that have to do with anything? Here's what you understand. In, in, this, in this time in history for the Jewish people, they've gone away from Abraham, who believed on the Lord. They've gone away from the, from, the, from the faith of Moses and Joshua and all those great King David. And their religion has turned into a... Wor- and they've literally come to the place where they believe that simply because they were born physically into the lineage and the family of Israel, that that is enough to save them. And what they don't understand is that it's never been like that. Abraham was not saved because he was Abraham. Abraham was saved because he called upon the name of the Lord. And if you remember Romans uh, chapter 10, we won't go back there, but it said, you know, there is no difference between the, the Jew and the Gentile, the Jew and the Greek. And these people, in order for them to get saved, they have to understand something. They weren't God's chosen people simply because they happened to be born into the right family. They had to choose to believe on Jesus Christ. But in order to make that step, I I choose to believe that I can be saved through Jesus Christ, they also have to take the step that anyone else can do it too. And you know what? That was just a little too much for them. 
Because these people are just downright racist. They believed we are God's chosen people because I happen to be born into the right family, period. And let the rest of them go to hell. That's literally what they thought. And when Paul said, well, actually, Jesus Christ sent me to go preach to the Gentiles, they, they took dust, threw it in the air, rent their clothes, and away with this man. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear the gospel. You know, you know that you cannot believe that salvation is through Jesus Christ and not believe that it's available to everybody. This is why Calvinists aren't saved. You talk to the Calvinists, they'll tell you, we believe that salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ. Was it available to anybody? No, only to those who God chooses. What are you, some sort of a Jew? And, you know, this Jesus doesn't mean Jew. And the Bible says it's available to anybody. The, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible says, whosoever will may come. The Bible says, you know, for God to love the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Jew and the Greek, the Gentile, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. That's what the song says, and it's true. It doesn't matter. Well, I'm this and I'm that. No, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. Anyone can be saved. You say, well, what if I'm Mexican? Or what if I'm Hispanic? What if I'm black? What if I'm white? What if I'm a Gentile? What if I'm not Jew? What if I'm whatever? Hey, it's the same gospel for everybody. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And everybody gets saved the same way. Even the Apostle Paul. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and have a word. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church. Thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for allowing us to just have a Bible study on Wednesday nights as we just study your scriptures, word by word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, nothing fancy, just getting back to the Bible. We love you, Lord, in your precious name I pray. Amen.